thank you, Nancy. Welcome in the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. We want to welcome those who are live streaming by Facebook and then those who will also be tuning in by the way of YouTube and our new Rocky Creek Baptist Church family. God bless you, and it's so good to be here today. I was reminded what the psalmist said. He said, let us enter his gates with thanksgiving. What did you bring to church today? Are you going to bring thanksgiving? I hope so. Well, um, again, I want to say thank you for those who've been supporting and praying all these weeks, and we're going to have a great time today. So thank you for being here, and um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and worship you because you are the living God of heaven and earth. Oh, God, you've revealed yourself to us in more ways than we can even count. These last few weeks, days, and even months, thank you for being so faithful. What a mighty God you are. And we just ask now for your presence, your power, your peace, your glory, Lord, to be revealed in every heart today. We thank you now for victory in Jesus. We ask you now to minister comfort and those that are hurting today throughout our land, Lord, those that will be tuning in, we pray a special blessing on them and those today that are without work and those, our Lord, that are sick and those that have lost loved ones and the leadership of our country and the state. And we thank you now for the blood of the Lamb. We praise you. What the devil means for evil, you can mean for good. And I pray now that you'll get glory today, that lives will be forever changed, because it's been good to have been in your presence. And we pray this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen. We're going to sing now. This is our offertory. And I want to say thank you, those that are giving and giving and giving above and beyond, particularly at times like this. God is so faithful. The offering plates are in the back. And so as we sing, you do what God tells you to do. I know he'll bless it.
Have you been experiencing a little bit of anxiety lately? Probably most everybody has. Are you wondering what is next? What will we face next? I want to tell you something. We don't have to be deceived because God is on his throne. Hallelujah. And speaking of being deceived, I heard about a hunter that went out hunting. He was hunting for grizzly bear. One day he had his gun with him, and as he was walking in the woods, a great big grizzly bear crossed his path. He got his gun ready to shoot, and about that time, according to the legend, the grizzly bear said, wait, don't shoot. He said, I want to negotiate. The hunter said, what? You want to do what? The grizzly bear said, I want to negotiate. He said, well, wh what do you mean? He said, the grizzly bear, let's sit down and make a deal. He said, what do you want? The grizzly bear did to the hunter. The hunter said, well, I'd like a fur coat. And then the grizzly bear said, well, I want a full stomach. Let's sit down and maybe negotiate. A little while later, the grizzly bear walked off with a full stomach. And the hunter had his fur coat. You'll get it later, all right? Hey, speaking of anxiety, I believe the Lord placed a message on my heart. It's going to speak to hearts, and we'll trust God is going to use it for his glory. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. Here's the title of the message today, On the Edge of Eternity with Anxiety. And here the Lord birthed this message in my heart this week, and it was Wednesday. Seven learning lessons from a deadly disease. Seven learning lessons from a deadly disease. And these are the things the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today. And here's where we're going in the message today, that I believe the Lord is going to, uh, to reveal things we've been going through and how we should respond as we come to that last book of the Bible, namely the book of the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. We find in what God birthed in my heart, these seven learning lessons. Hey, what's the Lord been teaching you? What's the Lord been showing you? I can tell you one thing, we've been all taking things for granted, hadn't we? I've said over and over again, it would not be surprising if one day we're not able to gather together for church, what would it be like? We've experienced that in days past. We've experienced it. We're not in control. But wait a minute. Here, let me share brief with you, briefly with you uh, why and these lessons to be learned. Number one, uh, I want you to see with me the reliability of God's authority. Number two, the not only reliability of God's authority... But we'll see the authenticity of Bible prophecy. All of this will be in Revelation chapter 19. Hey, by the way, hope you got your Bibles. And if you hadn't, run and get them. Now, number three, the audacity of the enemy. Number four, the vulnerability of humanity. Number five, the dependability of God's sovereignty. Number six, the priority Watch this, of humility. And then finally, number seven, the urgency of eternity. I hope you've got Revelation 19. I began reading in chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. After these things I heard a great voice and much people in heaven, said John, as he's exiled on the Isle of, uh, the Isle of Patmos. 
much people, that's a reference to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, saying, Alleluia. By the way, that word Alleluia is used four times in the New Testament. Alleluia. That word could be translated, Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Notice this wonderful scene in heaven. And this is futuristic, of course. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God for true and righteous. True. The word true is the word aletheia. The word righteous is the word uh, decaius. True and faithful. Notice verse 2. True and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Hold that thought. Father, again, we bless you, we worship you. We ask now for every distraction to be put away. Give us an ear to hear. Give us a heart to obey. Give us a will to surrender what you're up to in these days in our families and in our communities and in our state, in this nation, yea, in the world. When all said and done, we'll thank you, praise you, because you are our rock and salvation. You're the living God of heaven and earth. And we pray get glory now in Jesus' name as souls are saved, lives are changed, revival and spiritual awakening happens in our heart and in this land in Jesus' name. Amen. On the edge of eternity with anxiety. Now, we come to the first learning lesson that God spoke to my heart about during a deadly disease. Number one is this, reliability of God's authority. Reliability of God's authority. What do we mean? On the one hand, we've got the government, but on the other hand, we've got God. Zero in again at verse 1. Government and God. John said, I heard a great voice, verse 1, much people in heaven saying, Alleluia. Verse 2, and true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Number one, there is the government, and number two, there is God. We have seen in recent days, there's a fine line between the two. I want to remind you, uh, speaking of this, that it's God that set up the government for our protection. For example, in the book of Romans, you might want to jot that verse down if you can't find it readily. In Romans chapter 13, the apostle Paul says this, and I quote, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that shall resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. For rulers, that word rulers, by the way, could be translated magistrates. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. And will thou not be afraid of the power? And then verse 4, uh, Paul writes and says this concerning the government. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Here's what I want you to think about with me for a moment. We've got God and we've got the government. And certainly God has placed the government over us in a certain uh, aspect. Why? Do you remember why the Puritans, the independents, 
the pilgrims sailed from Holland and England to America. Why? I'll tell you why. They wanted to establish a government that would give them freedom to worship the living God as their conscience dictated them, watch this, without the interference of the government. That is for the protection of the people. Now, who would ever dreamed we'd be living in days when the government would shut the doors of the church? I'm just being honest. We're living in days right now. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to share with you what I'm trying to say. There's on the one hand the authority of the government, but there's on the other hand what the Word of God reveals, namely in the book of Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, Peter and the early disciples when they were told not to preach and teach and so forth, that they said we ought to obey God rather than men. I'm glad for some godly leadership at least at this point in our nation. And yet, let me give you an example about how God operates both in government and His will. Take, for example, Daniel. How many remember the book of Daniel? All right. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel, keep in mind, he is 900 miles away from his home as a teenager, mind you, and yet he understands the principles of coming under authority. What lessons have we learned during this deadly, deadly disease? I'll tell you what. We've learned uh, that reliability upon God-given authority. But wait a minute. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Do you know what Daniel said? He purposed in his heart. He what? He would not defile himself with the king's meat nor the king's wine. Listen to me now. Don't cut me off yet. Daniel appealed to those in authority. He didn't try to bypass it. Keep in mind, Daniel's living in a pagan land under an unbelieving king at the time. And yet he understood the proper principles of running things through the proper channel. No wonder God blessed Daniel. No wonder there's not one single negative comment about Daniel. Tell me, have you learned to come under authority? Authority in the home, authority in the community, authority on your job, authority all around us. Have you? Have I? But wait a minute. I think of an example whereby there is a legitimate reason not to come under the authority, namely in this case, the government. Think with me for a moment. The book of Daniel once again in chapter 3. Who was there? Remember the three boys, Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, their Hebrew names? Remember when Nebuchadnezzar erected that 90-foot image of gold and said, everybody bow down and worship this image of gold? Well, I got news for you. Them three boys, they didn't bend, they didn't bow, and thank God they didn't burn. I'll tell you what, I'd rather be in the fire with Jesus than outside the fire without him. And yet... This was uh, refusing to worship an idol. I'll never forget I was in South America. Well, actually, I was in Trinidad a number of years ago. We were riding down in south-south Trinidad. It wasn't far from Venezuela across the ocean. And as we were riding, going to preach on that Sunday night in a church, I remember seeing in a ball field a great big statue. I don't know how tall it was, but it reminded me of the days of Nebuchadnezzar and this recount in Daniel chapter 3. So what are we saying? We're saying government and God. Certainly this has been a lesson for me and a lesson for you, I believe, in these days. Well, speaking of government and God, it reminded me of the story of the lady. Did you hear about it? The lady is uh, serving chicken at this community fellowship meal. And the man comes through the line. 
uh, the line. He has his plate out. The lady puts a piece of chicken on it. And she says, go ahead. The man said, ma'am, you don't know who I am. I am the governor of this state. I am uh, in control. I am in charge of this state. I want another piece of chicken. The lady listened to him and said, that's, that's one is all you get. He said, you don't understand. I am the governor of the state, and I'm in charge of the state. She looked at him and said, well, sir, no disrespect, but I am the lady in charge of the chicken. Take one piece and go, all right? And that's about the size of it. But I'll never forget, speaking of God and government, who would ever dream that I would be just a few miles away from the Guyana tragedy? How many of y'all remember Jim Jones? How many remember the Guyana tragedy? I'll never forget it. We were only a few miles there in Guyana in what's called the interior, not far from Venezuela. And uh, we're talking about government and God. Who would have believed people would be deceived? I believe it was about 900 of them. And yet die a suicidal death. The government and God. By the way, here's the lesson the Lord is showing me. You know where we're heading? I'll tell you where we're heading. According to Revelation 17 and 18, this is what... Uh, John is writing about this great whore. It's going to be namely the religious Babylon, the false church. I'm telling you, this is where we're heading. When I say things, I know at times you look at me like, Pastor, you're crazy. I remember preaching on pestilences and coronavirus back in February, and people looked like me like I'd fallen off a turnip truck or something. Now we, and I'm not a prophet or son of a prophet, but I'm telling you, there's some things that have been happening and will happen, and you can rest assured Hey, the Bible is the Word of God. Somebody ought to say, man, somebody ought to say, yes, it is. That's the lesson I'm learning. But wait a minute. As I was saying, we're heading to a one-world religion. And I'm not going to call any names, but anyway, you know exactly where that's going right now. We're heading to a one-world government. You can see the stage is being set. And that's where John picks up here in Revelation 19. Babylon is fallen, commercial Babylon, chapter 18. Religious Babylon, chapter 17. And this is where we're heading, folks. God wants us to know, number one, reliability of authority. What do you need to do in regards to that? Number two, lesson number two that the Lord is showing me during this deadly disease is this, the authenticity, the authenticity of Bible prophecy. The authenticity of Bible prophecy. What I mean, zero in in chapter 19, verse number 10. Look at chapter 19, verse 10. And John fell at his feet to worship him. He said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Watch this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of Prophecy. Wait a minute. You sure it doesn't say the spirit of Ellen White? You sure it doesn't say the spirit of Joseph Smith? Are you sure it doesn't say the spirit of Pope Francis? Are you sure it doesn't say the spirit of some preacher? No. On the contrary. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ. Here's the lesson the Lord is showing me, and I hope he's showing you as well, is this. Number two, the authenticity, the realness of Bible prophecy. Who would ever dream, as we were thinking just a few months ago, that a plague, a disease, namely coronavirus, would hit our world? As of this morning, there's almost 70,000 people that have died in America. 
Over a thousand people have died in Georgia as of this morning. Who would ever dream this would happen a few months ago? Well, I got news for you. We've been reading about this superbug that antibiotics would not even be able to, to fight and to come against. Oh, but wait a minute, Pastor. That's far-fetched. Wait a minute, Pastor. We're living in America. Wait a minute, Brother Pastor. We've got all the technology. Wait a minute, Pastor. We've got the superpower status of the world. That will never happen in America. And yet it did. The authenticity of Bible prophecy. I'll tell you this way. The Word of God has been fulfilled in the past. The Word of God has been being fulfilled in the present. And you can rest assured God's Word will be fulfilled in the future. That's the lesson the Lord is showing us during this deadly disease, this virus. And speaking of that, I don't forget a few years ago preaching on the subject of the rapture of the church. Many people today just turn a deaf ear when I talk about Jesus coming again. Maybe some of you hadn't really prepared. I don't know. But I know this. A few years ago, a lady came up to me at the end of the service. I could tell she was lingering back. Here's what she said to me. She said, Brother Pastor, this was after the worship service, uh, the second service. It starts at 11, by the way. And uh, she said, uh, you've been preaching about Jesus coming again. And I'm going to tell you, uh, by the way, let me just insert this, and I'll come back to the story. Revelation 19 is the second coming, not the rapture. Okay, hold that thought. Let me go back to the lady coming up to me. She said this, Pastor, I'm not ready. If the Lord would come back today, I would be left behind. I wonder how many people are listening to me today that deep down inside, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. You've got religion. You maybe have been baptized. You may have joined a church somewhere, but God is showing you through all this that it's a relationship with Him. The authenticity of Bible prophecy. That night I had the privilege of sharing with that dear lady how to have a personal relationship with the living God. i never forget she prayed and said, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I do believe you died on the cross. I do believe you arose from the grave. And I do believe you're coming back. How many of y'all believe he's coming back? Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Well, then she said, Jesus, save me. You can do that right now. Will you do that right now? Will you stop and get on your knees? For me, it was 1982. Jesus made a difference in my life. Wait a minute, I'm not finished telling you about this dear lady. Did you know her husband was gloriously saved before that? Little did anybody know her husband at the age of 22 years old would be gloriously born again, had the privilege of baptizing both he and his wife. And then shortly thereafter, just a few months, had the privilege of presiding over their wedding right here at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. Little did anybody know within less than a year, July the 1st, He'd take a gun and put it to his head. Whether he was intentional or unintentional, only the Lord knows. With her sitting beside his side, he pulled the trigger and blew his head off. I preached that young man's funeral not long ago. I'm talking about the authenticity of Bible prophecy. There's a third lesson that I think the Lord wants us to learn through this deadly disease. Number three, and really importantly, the audacity, the audacity of the enemy. Not only the reliability of Bible prophecy and not only the authenticity of Bible prophecy and the reliability of God's authority, but thirdly, the audacity of the enemy. 
This is what the Lord has shown me. Zero in, please, in chapter 19, verse 19 of the book of Revelation. Notice what John said. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now, if we skip back to verse number 11, skip back to verse 11. Let me go ahead and read uh, the context of what's going on here. John sees the second coming of Christ. Keep in mind now, y'all listen, the rapture is the next event on God's calendar. It could happen in a moment. Yes, Paul alludes to that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first and those of us that are alive, Paul said, those of us. He included himself. He was looking for the rapture. Are you looking for the rapture? Hey, those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. There it is, the word harpazo rapio. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, seven years of tribulation will take place after the rapture of the church. And if you uh, would like to, you can tune into our YouTube. And the Lord's had me to go into some details preaching on this subject. I can't right now take the time to go into all the detail, but look it up and uh, tell me what you think. Then seven years of tribulation, and after that will come the second coming of Jesus Christ. No man knows the hour, Matthew 24, verse 36. But that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but the Father only. But John is writing here in regards to that event. Notice verse 11. He said, and I saw heaven open, verse 11 of chapter 19, and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness to judge and make war. His eyes are a flame of fire. On his head are many what? Crowns. I want you to pay special attention. The crowns in Revelation chapter 6 on this white horse rider in Revelation 6 who happens to be the Antichrist with a bow in his hand and a crown on his head. I want you to notice the crown mentioned in Revelation 6 is the word Stephanos. Whereas here the word is crown diadem. Obviously this is not the same rider as in Revelation 6. But look what happens in verse number 13, he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And I saw the armies which in heaven followed him. By the way, that army in heaven is going to be the church. Yes, after the marriage of the Lamb, marriage supper of the Lamb, depicted in Revelation 19, verses 7, 8, and 9. But the armies in heaven which followed him on white horses clothed and fine linen, white and clean, out of his mouth, Go with a sharp sword. Now, this is interesting to me. See where it says in verse 15? Out of his mouth. Are you following along with me? Out of his mouth go with a sharp sword. That word sword means a long sword. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to use a sword to defeat the armies. He doesn't have to. All he's got to do is say drop dead. I'm saying this. A sharp sword will come out of his mouth. Verse 15. Look at this. He should do what? Smite the, what's the next word? Nation. I find this very interesting, beloved, the word nations. Why? It's the word ethnos. Guess what the word ethnos means? Gentiles. Now, that's very important because when you start talking about going into millennial reign through the tribulation, I'm telling you, God's word is accurate. There'll be Gentiles going into the millennial reign. But keep reading. Hold that thought. He says he will rule them, verse 15, with a rod of iron. He treadeth on the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. We had not seen nothing yet. You think that this is something, the wrath of God. The word wrath there is thumos. Now listen to me, those of you that are sitting, you already cut me off because I've mentioned the wrath of God. There's a difference in the wrath of God and chastisement. 
the loving chastisement of a great God, our Father, in his people's lives. I'm not talking about the chastisement of God, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. I'm glad he loves us enough to correct us. Can I get a witness? Amen. But on the other hand, there is the wrath of God. Listen, one day grace is going to run out, God's going to draw the line, and his almighty wrath will strike the face of the earth. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But uh, anyway, so what are we saying? We're saying the audacity of the enemy. Who's been in the news lately? Who's the culprit behind this coronavirus? C-H-I-N-A, China, right? Exactly. Turn back to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. Turn to Revelation 16 verse 12. Notice the reference to the kings of the east. Who is China? Did this coronavirus indeed originally originate, uh, originally began in this biological warfare lab in Wuhan? It appears in all indication there is verifiable evidence that it appears it did. China. Hey, make no mistake about it. China desires, yea, uh, is seeking to be a world superpower. I find it very interesting, beloved, lessons we've learned through deadly disease that it was not coincidental that right after we, that is our President Trump, whom we need to pray for, and he made this, uh, uh, this decision in regards to China. All of this thing evolved. Listen to me, whether you believe that or not or whether you uh, adhere to that or not, it's simply saying China certainly is, got a lot to, they've got a lot to answer for. Colonel Bob McGinnis. Have you heard of Colonel Bob McGinnis? He is a man who works at the Pentagon. I heard him say just the other day. He said this. He said in regards to China and all of this that has evolved from China. And he said, and he's a credible witness, needless to say, he's worked at the Pentagon and still works at the Pentagon. And he goes around in military exercise all across the world. He said this. He said that Taiwan, who is just a few miles from China, they have experienced very little disease, sickness, or even furthermore, death. Why? It appears to him. I'm just telling him what he said. Look it up. Check it out. He said it appears they were, had somehow got word or knew uh, about this. I don't know all about that. All I'm saying is this. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, I do know this. Look at it. Look at this. Revelation 16, verse 12. Here John is in the middle of the, well, he's furthermore at the end of the tribulation. Keep in mind now, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. These judgments begun at, began after the rapture of the church. And then Jesus Christ is the one holding the scrolls. He will unleash them in the form of seven seals, seven. That's Revelation 6. And also the seven trumpets began in Revelation chapter 8. And the vials or the bold judgments began in Revelation chapter 16. Here in this chapter 16, it's become so intense, the intensity and the rapidity of these judgments falling upon the earth. We had better prepare and tell people to prepare to meet God. Well, these uh, vile judgments, it'll be so putrefying men that'll be wanting to gnaw their flesh in two. And they'll gnaw their, want to gnaw their tongue in two because of the pain and the agony. Well, John sees by the Holy Spirit of God, chapter 12 and verse six, uh, chapter rather 16 and verse 12. And the sixth angel poured his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east 
might be prepared. Who are the kings of the east? China. Who else? North Korea. Who else? The kings of the east. Look what happens. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole earth to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I'm telling you this. Russia is in the mix as well. Look at the oil crisis going on in America. Boop. The bottom has fallen out. Make no mistake about it. Russia and Saudi Arabia have had the market of this, but now America is producing the oil. I heard a report just the other day from a credible source, a man by the name of Ken Timmerman, and he makes reference to uh, the, uh, the deal that's going on right here in America. And hopefully uh, God will give us great wisdom to see what's going on. I'm saying this. The kings of the east, according to the Bible, this is a lesson I've, that we're learning. They will be led by these demon spirits across the great river Euphrates all the way up to the valley of Megiddo and the battle of Armageddon where the blood is said to flow at the height of the horse's bridle some 200 miles long. It will take place along with the Antichrist and his armies. What lessons have we learned? We've learned that we had better know to let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Did you know? Just a few years ago, I talked with a young man, 33 years old. 33 years old. He was 32 at the time. I urged him to give his heart and life to Jesus Christ, to be saved from his sin, be prepared to meet God. He didn't want to hear it. It was like water on a duck's back. And yet, I remember one of our men uh, we went to his house. He's just within rock-throwing distance of the church. We sat down in his living room, and we urged him to be right with God. And although he was nice, he didn't have time for God at the time. Little did any of us know, a few months later, we'd get the call that he took a gun and blew his brains out right over there beside Trinity Church. I'm talking about prepare to meet God. I'm talking about the audacity of the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy. That should create within us an urgency about our community. There's a fourth lesson that I want you to see with me in these deadly disease times. Number one, the reliability of God's authority. Chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. Number two, the authenticity of Bible prophecy, Revelation 19.10. Number three, the audacity of the enemy, Revelation 19.19. Number four, the vulnerability of humanity. The vulnerability of humanity. Look at chapter 19, verse number 15. Verse 15, out of his mouth go the sharp sword. He should smite the nation, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron. He that treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. You can read in this context that Jesus will come again. The vulnerability of humanity. Somebody asked this question. Brother Pastor, could God have stopped the coronavirus? How many of y'all believe he could? Well, if you don't believe he could, you must not know the God of the Bible. But he didn't. We live in a sin-sick world. Somebody says, but can God take what the devil means for evil and bring good about it? Absolutely. These are lessons learned 
during a deadly disease. There's another uh, element number. The next one, uh, lesson learned is not only the audacity of the enemy and the vulnerability of humanity. Let me just stop there for a moment and simply put out this. Would you ever dream as we read the book of Revelation? I'm afraid to say most people, even Christians sitting in church, we acknowledge it intellectually, but initially we say, I don't know if that can happen. One-fourth of the population die in Revelation 6. I don't know about all that. That sounds like science fiction. Oh, Revelation 19, oh, chapter 9, rather. One-third of the population die. After one-fourth of the population die, I don't know about all that. Right now, our attitude's changing, is it not? God's Word says one-fourth of the population will die and one-third. That's a lot of people dying. Right now, as I mentioned earlier, over almost 70,000 people in America have passed away, and worldwide is far more than that. Now, all of a sudden, the Bible becomes relevant. Now, all of a sudden, we see that, yes, God's Word is being fulfilled, and it will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. There's a lot of skeptics and doubters out there, and as we read the Bible, we think, well, that, you know, that, that, that could happen. It may not. But now, all of a sudden, the lesson we're learning is the vulnerability of humanity, and there's many people sick and hurting, people dying. You've seen pictures. I've seen pictures. It breaks my heart to see loved ones who can't even go to the hospital putting their hand on the window, praying for their loved ones, seeing the caskets piled up, the morgues are full, they're throwing the bodies in the grave, can't even have a funeral. The vulnerability of humanity, that's the lesson God is showing us through this deadly disease. But there's another lesson. Number five, the dependability of God's sovereignty. The dependability of God's sovereignty. Look at verse 6 of chapter 19. And John says, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of men in waters, and the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The word omnipotent means all power. Yes, one of the lessons we're learning is the dependability on God's sovereignty. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I thank God I'm a red-blooded American, and I praise the Lord for every man, woman who's fought for our nation, and I thank God for our leadership in this nation and, and other places. But what God is showing us is that some will trust in the arm of flesh, but we need to remember the Lord our God. What kind of lessons is God showing you through this? I'll tell you something else. Not only that, but the priority of humility. Notice verse 4 of chapter 19 of Revelation. And the four and the twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Hallelujah. The priority of humility. Listen to me, y'all listen. If you're not broken over this experience, there's something wrong with your heart. If you haven't been broken over this experience, something's wrong with your heart. Many don't care. Many are just thinking this is another way to get off work and a way to do this and that. God is saying to us a lesson we ought to learn is humility, brokenness. I was glad to see that the state of Georgia had a prayer meeting this past Monday. I was glad coming up is a national day of prayer. But my question to you is this. How many people do you know see really seeking God? 
How many people you know? And how, how about in your own life? Have you recognized the frailty of humanity? Have you come to the place where you say, God, I'm needy of you? Can I tell you all something? You know it already. The Lord has shown me a lot. As I've shared with you, I've had shingles through this whole process, still battling with them. And God is showing me I'm not an indispensable item. I'm totally dependent upon the Lord. And I'll tell you what, brother, I'll tell you what, sister, just when we think that we can depend on our health and we can depend on our money and we can depend on our material possessions, God shows us we can't. God shows us it's Him the one we need to depend upon. And that's the message the Lord is showing me. And I hope He's showing you. There ought to be a brokenness, revival, Lord, spiritual awakening. We can't depend on the arm of flesh. The arm of flesh will fail us. This is a real burden of my heart. One of our men I was talking with the other day, and uh, he has not uh, access to computer or YouTube and that sort of thing. And I praise the Lord for that open door that God has wrought in the church. And I want to say thank you to those who are working behind the scenes with both the Facebook and the YouTube. It's been a whole new open door of ministry, even right now as we're having our service right now. One of our men, I was talking with him, he's uh, one of our older men, he said, Brother Randy, and he hadn't been uh, able to access uh, our services, he said, Brother Randy, uh, he said, I know you're just, you, I know you're just bothering you real bad, I know you want to preach, and you hadn't been able to preach. <laughs> I didn't tell him, I said, but I laughed because I've had the privilege of preaching uh, in April uh, over 20 times, in April, we, we hadn't been here at church, but, but I'm saying this. And in addition to that, with the radio ministry and, and others, so God's been good to give us an open door. I just rejoice in it. And anyway, uh, the priority of humility. God's showing me more and more. It's not about me, it's about him. God's showing me more and more how we need to decrease and he increase. Hallelujah, because he's worthy. Well, there's one last one and we're done. And it's this, what lessons we've learned from this deadly disease. Number seven is the urgency of eternity. Urgency of eternity. Y'all look at me just a moment. Those listening by Facebook. I wonder how many people out of the hundreds of thousands that have died were ready to meet God. Does that bother you? I wonder over the thousand people in Georgia were Christians saved. Does that bother you? People either go to heaven or go to hell. Jesus said that. I didn't say it. Church, how can we sit back or people that are Christians and just be unconcerned, uncaring? I know we've all been isolated. I understand that. But today, God is speaking to us about the not only priority of humility, but the urgency of eternity. Look at Revelation 19, verse 20. Look what happens, verse 20. And the beast was taken. That's the Antichrist, the word therion, not the beast as a hideous creature. The beast was taken, verse 20. And with him the false prophet, that's the religious ruler, that wrought miracles. Be careful about running to miracles. Be careful about this and that. The devil will be able to do miracles. I'm saying God can do miracles, yes, and he's done them. But I'm saying the devil can too, and here's an example. Be careful. Be discerning in these days. He said with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were what? Cast 
alive in a lake of fire with brimstone. I know we'd rather not hear that, but this is the reality of God's Word. And right now, there's an urgency of eternity. There's some lessons we've learned about this deadly disease. I want to ask you right now, how many have got family members aren't ready to meet God? They're not saved. How many know a friend or somebody that's, they died, they go out in eternity lost without God? How many know somebody in the community not serving the Lord? Right now, you and I can pray for our loved ones. And then as God leads us to do, let them know you love them. Send them a text message. Call them today. Pray with them. Praise the Lord. Let's pray now. Those listening, those here, if you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven. You need to make that sure. Make your calling and election sure. Life is but a vapor. Appear for a little while, vanish it away. What lessons have you learned? from this deadly disease. Are you mad? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you depressed? Are you worried? What's God saying to you today? Let's do what the Lord tells us to do right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and praise you, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace, for your goodness, for Lord Jesus, you said, the goodness of God through your servant Paul leads to repentance. You've been good to us, Lord. You've blessed us, and you've even preserved us thus far. And we owe you our life. We owe you everything. I do, Lord. And I pray for those, our God, that are within the arm reach and a rock-throwing distance from this church and from our families. Oh, blessed God. Deliver us from anxiety. Deliver us from deception. Deliver us, Lord, from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And Be glorified. Thank you for the lives you have been changing. You are changing. Set us, your people, on fire to be more determined than ever before to finish faithful Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what you need to do? Do it now. It might be praying. At this moment, those listening and those here, take a moment right now. Bow in prayer right now, right where you're at. And ask God to whatever it is he's spoken to you about. And if he hadn't spoken, it's because you're not listening. What has he spoken to you about? Let's talk to the Lord right now. Trust Him.
he'll accomplish his will, and that we'll be instruments in his hand for his glory. Do it right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Those saying, Pastor, pray for me. I've been anxious and I can't get a breakthrough. Would you lift your hand right up and right back down? Thank you. Thank you. The Lord changed the title of the message on the edge of eternity. God said, you need to add anxiety because all of us have faced it. Oh, God, we don't know what the future holds, but we know you hold the future. And now, encourage us with your peace. The best is yet to come. Your word is true. You're unveiling your plan right before our very eyes. And we worship you because you're the living God of heaven. You're in control. And we need you. I need you. Cleanse us, Lord, of sin. Fill us afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen.